What's up, everybody? This is your lesser host, Dr. Matt Mary. This is episode 12 of the Postdoc PT Experience. I am really, really happy to welcome the guest today, Dr. Zach Mayo. He's a recent graduate from Thomas Jefferson University and decided to stick around and complete his orthopedic physical therapy residency with them as well. Zach has recently been inducted into the National Physical Therapy Student Honor Society, as well as the National Pro Bono Society. He was also nominated for the Orthopedic Student of the Year Award. He's a proud member of both the ortho and sports sections of the APTA, represent. One thing I recently learned about Zach is that he hosts a podcast called Next Gen PT. Uh, I know I checked it out. It's a really, really good show uh, with some excellent conversation. For any listeners that have not heard of it, I would really, really encourage you to check it out. I know that I will certainly be following uh, with some of the future episodes. For those of you that have been following our show, I'm currently a few months beyond graduation from the Drexel University Orthopedic Physical Therapy Residency, just registered for that expensive OCS exam, and I just actually accepted an offer with a company called Premier Physical Therapy and Sports Performance in Delaware. So I'm moving to the beach. And Zach just started his orthopedic residency at Thomas Jefferson University. He was recently offered a position at a cash-based ortho and sports clinic, which I think is pretty cool. But he's also keeping his options open and is seeking additional opportunities. So without further ado, this is the postdoc PT experience. Zach, what's going on, man? What's up, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm glad that you uh, were able to join our show so willingly. Yeah. Thank you for uh, all of the kind words and the introduction there. Appreciate it. Of course. It. Did I miss anything? Uh, no, I think two was probably more than what I deserve at this point, but thank you. No, that's okay. You work hard. You deserve the, you deserve the good intro. Um, so I know Nick really, really loves to, Dr. Nick Gula, for those of you that are listening, I know Nick really, really likes to start the show off but with his uh, little teach me segment. Um, but I actually wanted to switch it up a little bit. Uh, and this came after listening to one of your previous episodes on, okay. I forget who the guest was, uh, but he was talking about failures. So uh, yeah. the, the question that I was going to pose to you is if you could think of a time that you failed at something and what you learned from it. Sorry to uh, put you on the spot here a little bit. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. That was with uh, Dr. Frank Benedetto. Uh, the, the head of the honey badger project and also very, very successful physical therapist and entrepreneur. Yeah. He had a really good segment on that. Um, in terms of failures, it's a long list <laughs> very early so far. Um, I think I don't even, I don't know if this would necessarily be a failure, but I guess more of like a difficult time or an adverse time in my life. Um, I actually tore my ACL right before I had to go into my last two clinical rotations. Um, and I had to push off my um, surgery seven months to go through both those rotations. Um, mm. I can't get surgery in the middle of those because I can't recover well from that. Um, so I went through my last two clinical rotations with a torn ACL in my right leg. Um, and then COVID came and 
put more stress on it and that I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to get <laughs> the actual surgery. Um, so that was a fun time to go through. Um, I mean, that's, that was a, a challenging part of this past year for me. Um, and in addition to that, COVID came along and put a, a spin on the last semester of PT school for me, pulling me from my clinical rotations early. And then clearly everybody else had some issues as well. Um, but I mean, in terms of, I mean, I didn't really answer your question, but it's an <laughs> adverse part of it. But in terms of like overall failures, I think, I mean, there's just, there's too many to really go through. Like I have, a, I fail multiple times each and every day, I think mm-hmm. on pretty much everything that I do. Um, but one big failure, I would say, oh, let me see. I haven't had one too impactful recently, so I'm blanking on it right now. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, like, the past couple of months, I mean, I, I would consider things not working out how they were planned in your mind to be, I guess, technically classified as a failure of some sort. So yeah, what was that? What What did you walk away from that with? Like, what, what did you learn from that situation? Um, just to be patient. Mm-hmm. I think patience was a, I'm so early in my career as a physical therapist and just as a person, um, having that patience to take a step back from everything and just let everything um, kind of go its own way mm-hmm. can be difficult a lot of times, especially when you're in somewhat of a stressful situation. Um, like, I mean, I say me, but pretty much every physical therapist, pretty much everybody in the world right now, um, having the patience to, to let things play out and not try to worry too much about everything. Cause a lot of it was just out of our control. Right. Um, so I think patience was a big thing. I think that's something that I'm trying to be better at with residency as well in terms of just trusting the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, patience is something that I struggle with all the time. I think maybe it's a generational thing. I think that our, our generation kind of just expects things to happen pretty instantly. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a recent conversation with my uncle uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was still looking for jobs and I was talking about, because he uh, runs a marketing company and I was talking about um, like interviewing and like what we were talking about in the interviews. And I was just talking to him about like what I was looking for in a company. And he was like, oh, you're such a millennial. He's like, <laughs> just take a job, just take a job and let things come to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have your eyes set on the future and plan and but uh, I do think it is important to kind of take a step back at times and be like, let's just let things work itself out. But yeah, I mean, especially now, like the job search right now is there's just not a lot out there, especially for new grads like myself. Um, right. So having the patience just to just kind of deal with some of the, the circumstances there. And then I've unfortunately I've had instances with I've had a few interviews and a lot of them were just very disappointing yeah um, so having to come back from that is mm-hmm. uh, can be a vicious cycle yeah let's go off of that a little bit because I actually just went through that process mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah what, what's it like right now trying to uh, like 
Yeah. Are you looking for jobs in the Philadelphia area? Like, what are you, where are you looking? Yeah, so I live in South Jersey. Um, so I'm primarily looking in South Jersey um, and then a little bit further north, like as far north as like Tom's River um, in New Jersey as well. And then uh, in Philadelphia and Delaware as well. Okay. I'm trying to keep it within like an hour, hour and a half from where I live at the most, um, mm-hmm. just because of my obligations with residency. It's a little unrealistic for me to be moving to another state or moving somewhat far away at this point, um, just because my residency is primarily f- like focused, especially my mentorship stuff in the South Jersey, Philadelphia area. Okay. Um, and then outside of that, like it would be, it would be a lot for me right now to do anything yeah. past that. Yeah, residency's busy enough. You'll have enough stuff going on. You don't want to give yourself a crazy commute too. Yeah, exactly. Well, I I guess kind of going off of that, just for any listeners that are out there, I know Nick and I, our residency experience was a little bit different in that we were working in the clinics for the universities that we were doing the residency at. So, but here, here we are sitting here and you're telling us that, or uh, that you're doing, uh, or you're looking for an, an outpatient clinic right now. Um, but aren't you doing a residency? Aren't you working at Jefferson? How's that? How does, tell me how Jefferson's residency program is kind of set up a little bit. Yeah. So for Jefferson, so unlike you and Nick, um, you don't work for Jefferson. You are allowed to work pretty much wherever you'd like. Um, there's some restrictions just because of accreditation. I think the only big restriction is you cannot work for a physician owned practice. Um, yeah, that's the, apparently there's, there's a problem with like the accreditation for orthopedic residency and that you can't work for them. Um, but outside of that, there's no restrictions. So we, it's nice because we can work wherever we would like. So Mm -hmm. we have that flexibility there. Um, I mean, unfortunately for this time, it's probably not advantageous to me just because I don't have a job. Right. Um, but it's nice. Flexi- it's really, really nice flexibility wise. And I think if it were somewhat of a normal time, I think it would be far more beneficial. Um, but yeah, so we don't work for Jefferson um, and our program is a hybrid program. So we do the independent learning stuff. So looking over like the current concepts of orthopedic practice and then lectures and research articles and going over the literature, we do that essentially independently. And then we meet, I want to say probably like once or twice a month on, on Fridays to go over manual therapy techniques, examination techniques, evaluation, like more hands-on things, but then also having um, really in-depth clinical discussions about patient care and just different clinical scenarios. And we do that. And I mean, that's the entire day. So like we're there on Fridays from eight to five doing that. Okay. Um, And then on top of that, we also have journal clubs. Um, Typically we do three per, I guess this would be three per semester. Um, So we're in the upper quarter right now. So anything upper body, that's what we're focusing on. We just had our first one probably two weeks ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that. In addition, we have clinical case discussions, which we'll have tomorrow. Um, so those who are working and are seeing a consistent pa- patient caseload, um, they present a case to the other residents and to the faculty as well um, in terms of you know 
what the case was about and how they went about it and really just dissecting the clinical decision-making component of it. Um, we also have physician shadowing. So we'll be shadowing, I believe they're physicians from primarily Rothman. Okay. Um, so we'll do that. We typically do it at like the end of the semester, just so we have some more knowledge and can establish better relationships mm -hmm. with those individuals. And then, um, but again, we only do that probably two, maybe three times throughout the year. It's not a huge part of the residency, okay. but it's there. Like when we're there with the physician, um, we're there all day with them. We just were shadowing them pretty intensely. And then there is a research com component to it. So that'll probably be a little bit later along that we'll start to focus on that. Um, in terms of essentially the bare minimum for us is a case study. So we just okay. an, yeah, we just have an interesting patient or um, an interesting case that we want to really dive very deep into. And then we submit that to a bit, one of the bigger conferences, so whether that be uh, CSM or um, like AOMPT or any okay. type of like state level conference. It doesn't have to be CSM. And unfortunately, with the way things are now, I'm interested to see how this is going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know we, we just yeah. submitted stuff to CSM from Drexel and CSM or uh, APTA was like, yeah, CSM's online this year. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. but and I know the, the AOMP conference is also now virtual as well. Yeah. Um, so we'll see how that works out. But again, you can, so that's the bare minimum, but for all of the things that I just mentioned, there is, and there is more, there's obviously mentorship hours as well. Um, I believe there's, we're required for 200 of those throughout mm -hmm. the year. Um, but these are like bare minimums for what we do. Um, one of the nice things about this is that we do have the resources and the faculty where if we want to go into a called buckets, right? Like the research bucket or the teaching component, which is also a part of the residency, we can go deeper into that if we would like, depending upon our personal interests. Okay. Um, so if we're, if somebody is very much interested in pursuing research, um, they can go a little bit further in depth instead of just that bare minimum requirement. Um, and then for somebody who's interested in like teaching and wants more experience with that. Um, and I'm one of those people. I want to get more experience with teaching. Um, we have, we're going to have a lot more teaching opportunities in the spring teaching as uh, TAs, as TAs in the musculoskeletal course. And I believe the PT interventions course as well. Okay. Um, so there's a good amount of opportunity for that right now, this semester, we probably won't be doing any formal teaching just because of right. everything. Yeah. Like, the, the university itself is still trying to catch up with everything. So it's just, yeah, not, everything's a little bit of a mess still. <laughs> yeah. It's not feasible to even try at this point. Right. So it really sounds like there's a lot of similarities to an extent between what Nick and I went through at our uh, different programs. Um, but it, it seems like the biggest, the biggest difference really is the clinic is that it's not in-house how does the mentorship work since it's not in-house yeah so our residency director uh dr chris keating he essentially like we have a, a good variety of mentors pretty much throughout south jersey philadelphia 
and he essentially matches us with a mentor um, that he thinks will be like a good fit, like personality wise and somewhat okay. interest wise. Um, and then we'll do 50 hours with that mentor. So each mentor that we have, we do 50 hours worth of um, a mix of like clinical discussion and just actual like patient care hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have probably, you can have up to four um, mentors or you can do more with a mentor. Again, 50 hours is a bare minimum. It's not like as soon as you reach that 50 hours, you're done with that person. Okay. Um, you can do more with them. Um, but we're essentially assigned the mentors and then um, we pick, you know, we work with them or collaborate with them in terms of what would be the best times for us to come in and do patient care. Um, so it can be challenging. I know for some of the other residents that are currently working to find those hours, mm-hmm. um, especially now that things are starting to pick up a little bit again. Um, but right. I guess that's one of the advantages that I have in terms of still looking for some type of employment is that I'm getting right now, probably like eight to 10 hours worth of mentorship a week. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so that's really, really nice. And it's nice to be in the clinic and working with patients again. Yeah, I'm sure. So for that mentorship, then are, are you going to the mentors clinic or are they coming to yours? Yeah, we go to the mentors clinic. Okay. Gotcha. Um, how do you like the mentorship so far? Uh, I really like it. Um, I'm at, if anybody is from listening to this is from the South Jersey, Philly area, I'm at breakthrough physical therapy right now, hmm. just sports and ortho. Um, outpatient um, and then they see like like regular other stuff like vestibular stuff concussion stuff um, but one of the interesting things about my mentor is he is a certified shroth specialist oh that's cool yeah so I'll I'll be learning a little bit about that and that treatment system which will be cool to see yeah that's awesome um so what are your thoughts so far in residency since you're pretty early on still? How do you like it? I love it. Um, no, I knew that I wanted to do residency pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, like I love having the like clinical case discussions and just honestly just talking shop about physical therapy in general. Um, so I think residency was a really good decision for me coming right out of school um, because I think it's something that I do have quite a passion for, and I mean, so far I've loved every single aspect of it. Yeah. What made you want to do a residency to get a little bit deeper? I want to hear your your thought process. And yeah, so, um, I wanted to do it to essentially improve how I think, um, first and foremost, you know, if you, when you graduate out of PT school, like I just graduated in May, um, you come out and there's like these like hundreds of systems of different treatment methods and examination methods and things of that nature, especially in the outpatient ortho, ortho world and sports world. Um, but not a lot of them, if any of them really truly teach you how to think critically and to how to integrate, um, all these different aspects to patient care. So going from like the basic examination evaluation processes and the clinical decision-making that goes into that, in addition to dealing with a lot of the psychosocial stuff that comes up. Um, 
because that's one of the more challenging things I think as a physical therapist is when you have those patients with some psychosocial like yellow flags and things of that nature, Mm -hmm. having those discussions like really early in your career are way different than what like your mentor will have just because of that experience and such. Right. So having that guidance from that mentor is like invaluable. Um, but the, I mean, long story short, the biggest thing for that I wanted to get from residency was just how to think better ultimately mm-hmm. and be much more confident and much more thorough and analytical and how I think about patient care and how I approach patient care. Yeah, I I mean, I really like that you said thinking critically and like getting better at reasoning. For me, that was one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to do a residency. Uh, Coming out of PT school, I was very gung-ho on clinical excellence and I want to be the best PT that I can be. I want to be able to serve the patient's the best way that I possibly can. And I knew that PT school wasn't enough to get me there. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think I went into residency expecting to come out of it being a clinical expert. Um, and very quickly, I realized that that's not going to be the case. Um, but it, it was definitely the start of that process of getting to the clinical expert. And I know we've talked about this in previous episodes, not to sound redundant, but it's really, I think it's an important like concept that you're not doing a residency to become the expert. You're doing the residency to start the process and start your journey towards becoming that clinical expert. And mentorship was a huge part of it for me. I really wanted to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. Um, I, I forget who told me this, but they said that if you're the smartest person in the room, you probably should go elsewhere now. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I was really looking for that mentorship to start helping me reason through all of the weeds and all of the different ways of doing things. Um, to to and p- being completely honest, coming out of PT school, I was lost. I walked into that orthopedic clinic and I was like, I have to go back and look at my textbooks from PT school because mm-hmm. I don't remember half of this stuff. Yeah. Um, but l- like you said, it, I mean, your confidence is definitely going to improve. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a residency thing. I do think that residency probably expedites it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm right there. I'm right there with you on that one um, as far as like why I wanted to do a residency. And I think a lot of people that pursue residencies are probably, probably have that same thought process. Oh yeah. I mean, I think, you know, if you, there's a reason why you should and should not do residency. If you're doing it for the three letters behind your name, it's probably not a good reason to spend upwards of 10 to $12,000 for a program. Um, it's really the the process behind the residency that's the most important part of it because you can go and take your OCS exam and go get right. the current concepts and study that and go get your OCS, but it's very, very different to have that mentorship and then everything else that goes into it. Even like simple stuff that you deal with, like the clinical case discussions, like you get very, very deep into the research and very deep into concepts that you've never heard of. <laughs> and that, yeah. um, you know, 
the faculty have been experts in as well. Like the majority of my faculty at Thomas Jefferson, I believe four of the eight core faculty are also fellowship trained as well. Oh, wow. Um, so they've gone through both residency and fellowship training. Um, so they've, they've gone through the process before, which is nice as well. Cause they understand mm-hmm. the, the difficulties that can be there. Um, but sure. it's also a, just another level of clinical decision-making analytical thinking and just overall expertise that you can draw from. Um, Cause there's definitely, I've definitely seen a difference in terms of people who are, who have gone through residency and have gone through fellowship versus people who have not mm-hmm. in terms of their ability to think about clinical situations, but also just in how they can teach other people how they, how they work and how they operate and how they think about things. It's just at a much more precise level and it's at a much more comprehensive level um, that's really based off of the research as much as they can possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. I, I, it's, it's easy. It's hard to, for me um, to imagine what, where I would be had I not gone through a residency. I'm sure I would still be a competent clinician and get along with my patients, but the things that I walked away with were truly invaluable as far as um, like the soft skills that Nick uh, really, really enjoys talking about. Um, But, but that's, it's really, really important. And I think that a lot of those things come with either years of experience or being surrounded by people that have years of experience that are there to help you become a better clinician. Um, and like I said before, that was that, that mentorship was hands down my favorite part about the residency uh, and just learning from the brighter minds. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you said a, a little bit beforehand, just being putting yourself in that environment is so important because, I mean, sometimes you at that at your workplace or the clinic that you're working at, you may not necessarily find that environment mm-hmm. as a whole. Um, yeah, um, mentoring is that uh, hot that hot ticket keyword that a lot of clinics use to target new grads. Yeah. We have mentorship program, and then you get there, and it's not mentorship it's, at all. No, <laughs> it's not mentorship. It's I'm going to co-sign for your note. Right, be your mentorship <laughs> for the day. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So, but so tell me, I know why you were looking for a residency. Why Jefferson? Like, what were you looking for when you were choosing a residency? Because I know I had very particular things I was looking for. Um, what were you looking for and why did you end up going down the Jefferson route? Yeah, um, I think that, I mean, financially, I think Jefferson was a, a great choice financially. Um, that's always a component. Um, a lot of the local like I wanted to stay local first and foremost. So I was primarily within like the Philadelphia region. Um, and there's quite a few orthopedic residencies within Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, but financially, I thought it was a good fit for me. And then in terms of just the overall curriculum and how it was set up, it was compared to it, compared to some of the other schools, it was very, very friendly to newer grads. Mm-hmm. So you had that flexibility to work wherever you wanted. Um, 
And then you also had the flexibility to really just do a lot of like the independent learning and not necessarily be on a, on like a strict regimen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know some schools are like that. Um, and then in terms of some of the other, not necessarily requirements, but I know there were some schools that dictated that you had to be working under an OCS in order for you to be admitted into the residency. Okay. Um, so I just felt like overall Jefferson was very, very friendly to new grads through its flexibility. Um, it also, we have a pretty small class, about six residents. Um, and it's, um, it's very like homey. Okay. Homey. Like it's very, it's a very intimate type of case discussions that we can go through. Um, and we're just all like very comfortable within the residency itself. So I think it was just a really, really good environment as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I didn't necessarily know that going into the residency, but right. looking yeah, but back I mean, at it now. It does seem a little bit like you you knew what you were generally looking for when you oh, were yeah. going into the residency. Um, and I think you probably saw that in Jefferson. And that's why you feel the way you do now. Um, so I, I, for me it's kind of similar as far as like, I knew what I was looking for going into a residency. Uh, You have to do the research. You have to put in the time Mm -hmm. to figure out all the different models that are out there, especially in the orthopedics world. I'm not quite sure how that changes when you get into some of these other residencies like neuro and sports, um, things like that. But I knew for me, I was really looking for a structured like, regime of, uh, regime type of a program, um, which is why I chose Drexel ultimately. Um, I was coming out of school and I was kind of looking for a program that would still kind of feel like school a little bit. Um, so I was basically, all of the programs that I applied to were, were more structured in the sense that Yes, we had independent learning that we had to do, but there was also weekly in-person like teaching sessions. Um, not that we were necessarily being taught at, but it was, it was very collaborative and we were discussing the information and all the articles that we were reading. Uh, but I wanted that structure where I knew what my schedule was going to be for the most part. So I knew on the second day of October that we were starting this next module and that we were going to have meetings on these days to go over the material. And we had like the due dates for our assignments and stuff like that. So it, it did at times feel like school and that's kind of what I was looking for. Um, but then I was also looking for, uh, a little bit unlike you, I was looking for the clinic to be directly affiliated with the residency, meaning it's basically in-house. I wanted Mm -hmm. everything to be either on the campus or within the university. Um, and so Drexel had that. Um, I, I know that I applied to a lot of residencies. Um, I, I mean, I applied and then I ended up not carrying through with like half of them um, because I found Drexel and interviewed and it went well. And then ultimately that's where I wanted to be. Um, so I know, at least for me, that's what I was looking for. And I challenge listeners to know what they're looking for into a residency. 
or uh, what they're looking for in a residency before just blindly applying. Um, what, what, how did, I guess the question I'm trying to ask is, where did you even start? Like, how did you know what you were looking for? <laughs> yeah, so, um, like I said, I wanted to stay local. So that narrowed it down to a pretty decent amount, pretty decent number of schools within the Philadelphia area. Um, I should say Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's probably a better description. Um, so, I mean, that's where I started my search and that's, I really restricted myself to that. Um, like I know I didn't want to go to, um, like across the country right. <laughs> to go for an orthopedic residency. And there are some that are a similar setup, like evidence and motion is a somewhat of a similar setup where you have mostly independent learning and then you have like weekend intensives and things of that nature. Um, but like financially that wasn't a good fit for me. Um, and then, so I narrowed it down to the Philadelphia schools and then I was very familiar with Jefferson and the faculty as well. So one of the bigger things I looked at too was the faculty mm-hmm. behind each program. Um, Cause one of my, my goals past residencies to do a fellowship as well. Okay. Um, so I knew I wanted to be able I to feel do... like I'm speaking to Nick right now. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, well, we're, we're all Aonth guys. Yeah, yeah. We're all um, going to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so I knew I wanted to be in an environment where I had those those resources and guys who had gone through that process as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jefferson, like I said, the faculty, about half of them have been are fellowship trained. And then um, the other main school I was looking at was Temple which I have nothing but good things to say about their program. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Bill Egan, who's the residency director there, had a really nice discussion with him about the program. Um, and um, with him actually, or with Temple, um, they were not having an August cohort. So their cohort in January was the only one for that year. He said he didn't have enough interest for the summer cohort to even host one. Okay. Um, and then I actually found out quite recently that my decision to go to Jefferson was a really good one and that um, majority of the other residencies in Philadelphia are not having residency cohorts this year. Right. Um, one of my, my physical therapists is a mentor for Jefferson. Um, I'm still going through rehab for my ACL reconstruction. Um, and he mentors for like Drexel, like he went through the Drexel residency program mm-hmm. as a mentor for them as well. Um, but he got emails from every single college that he did mentorship for them and said that they weren't hosting any more cohorts this year. Um, yeah. So yes. I got, I got a little bit lucky as well with my selection. Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely sounds like it. I know Drexel had residents and then ultimately had to, say we'll uh, delay your start date for basically at at first it was a couple months and then I think it ultimately turned into uh, we'll start next year um, which was it's tough for them I mean part of the problem and I think this is where obviously these are unprecedented times and I doubt that that has ever happened before but I think that's where 
at least moving forward, that might be even something to consider if COVID kind of stays around a little bit. But I mean, when Drexel closed, our clinics closed too. Like we couldn't really stay open because we're on universities' property in their buildings. And it just became really, really not possible to stay open. And so um, we felt the, the back end of that as far as our residency, when we shifted pace from being in the clinic all the time to now sitting in front of a computer all day, mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, it's, it is hard to tell what's going to happen going forward, but I, it definitely sounds like you lucked out with, hopefully you're in the clinic pretty soon and then hopefully residency just continues without any hiccups. Yeah. I mean, luckily besides some of the employment things, we haven't been truly impacted that much from a residency standpoint. Um, we did de- we did delay the start date by about a month. Like we were supposed to start in August, uh, but we they moved it to September start date, which isn't a big deal at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's not that big of a deal at all. No. Yeah. So one of the things that I actually wanted to talk about today, um, sorry to change pace so quickly, but no, no, no. Um, I wanted to talk about kind of expectation versus reality. Um, So I know going into residency, this is something that I was particularly interested in because my expectations were kind of way off of what actually was happening. Um, So I wanted to hear what your expectations for residency versus what you're now experiencing. Because to preface it, my experience based on everybody that I talked to said that residency was going to be the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. They said, you're going to have no time for social, uh, like social events. You're going to have no time for relationships. You're going to have no time for, or very little time for family. And you're just going to be working all the time. I, I heard, oh, they said you're going to be working 65 hours a week. No, it's 80 hours a week. And then I got there and I, after the first couple of weeks that my nerves kind of settled down and it wasn't anything like that (laughs) at all. Uh, Yeah, you're busy. I mean, I was in the clinic 32 to 35 hours a week, depending on the week, um, which is less than a full-time job. Mm -hmm. I was taking classes on top of it, but uh, I mean, a couple months into the residency, I was like, this just feels like school. Like it's, I'm working, I'm coming home, I'm studying, I'm reading my articles, doing the assignments I have to do. And then when I'm done, I'm going to watch the game (laughs) or go to the brewery down the street and get a drink with my roommate or some friends. Um, So I don't know if that's a common theme among people that go into residencies, but that was my experience with residency. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm right with you. I I didn't necessarily have too too grand of it like i didn't have too much of expectations going into residency um i wasn't like totally totally sold on the fact that like you're not you're not gonna have a life <laughs> you're not gonna have any type of like social relationships or whatsoever like you're gonna be a hermit in a room and go to the clinic and come back and that's gonna be it yeah um i wasn't totally sold on that um so i think i went into pete into the residency with uh very few expectations from that standpoint. Um, But I completely agree with you in that it just feels like school. Mm -hmm. Um, And even at least for me right now, maybe even somewhat of a lesser extent, 
Um, just because we're focused on like orthopedics and sports. I don't have ortho neuro PT interventions. Like I don't have seven right. different classes with seven different subjects that I necessarily have to juggle. Like I'm doing work for a field that I'm very passionate about and I want to work in. So it doesn't necessarily feel like work all too much. Like I want right. to be updated on the research. I want to be able to know this stuff. I want to be able to, to read and analyze the literature. And I, w- I know that I have to put in the time to do that, to get to where I want to be in my mm-hmm. career. So it doesn't feel like work at all. Um, and I think it's, I mean, it's more enjoyable than PT school, I would say, just because I'm focused on the field and I'm focused on the populations that I enjoy treating the most, um, as opposed to some of the subjects in PT school, not that I don't enjoy them, um, but they weren't necessarily my passion. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're spot on with where I stand at least. And that's, it, it really didn't feel like work because I was so happy that I was in the moment immersed in that orthopedic world, learning about all of these orthopedic things that I, that that's what I was truly passionate about. And I think for me going from PT school into residency, it, it allowed me to kind of focus in and hone in on that thing that I was truly passionate about. And I don't, I think that because I was having so much fun and, immersed in this world that it, it didn't, it, it kind of, I don't, it didn't take over my life, but it became part of my life in that I was got like work and social, it kind of started to become the same thing. So like I would hang out with the residents uh, or my one other resident. So we only had two people in our cohort, okay. um, but it, it, it was a nice balance in that it, it really wasn't more challenging than PT school. And it certainly wasn't as bad as people made it to be out or made it out to be. And it kind of makes me curious um, what their, what these people's experiences were with residency that makes them say that it's going to be such a horrible thing because me now having gone through it, if anyone's listening, that's considering residency, I'm just going to be completely honest. Like, yeah, residency is a lot of work. You're going to be very busy, but you're also going to have a lot of free time to do the things that you enjoy doing, um, whether that's research or not even work-related stuff. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, don't get us wrong. Like, there's there is a lot of work with residency. Yeah, especially you're busy. when we yeah when we when we talk about um, like diving into the literature and the research and going over like the current concepts of orthopedic practice, like that's a good three, 400 pages worth of reading almost weekly or Mm biweekly at least on top of what you're doing in the clinic. Um, and then all of your other obligations, whether it be through clinical case discussions, teaching and whatnot. But I also think that if it feels like a chore, you might be in the wrong place mm-hmm. um because i think it's i think how did my residency director put it he said it it's a labor of love essentially mm-hmm. um you know if you're if you're going through this stuff and you're like man this really sucks like i wish i could be doing something else that might be an indication that a residency may not be for you necessarily um or not yet mm-hmm. um i think some people get into the point where like 
they're just there to sometimes just get their three letters behind their name. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, but I feel like those are the people that might be like, man, that was like the residency was terrible. Right. It was, it was killing my social life. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think those are the people that may have that response to residency. Um, but like, like I told you, I, I love every aspect of residency so far and I'm more than willing and more than happy to put in the work and the reading of all mm-hmm. things. Like we're on the cervical thoracic and TMJ right now. We, we just went through that and that, I think I got like, so the current concepts of orthopedic practice, about like 50 pages each for them. So that's 150 pages for those three sections and about 25, 26 research articles on top Mm -hmm. of that. So a decent amount of reading. It's a lot of reading. (laughs) But it didn't feel like that. Right. When I looked back at how how many pages I went through, I was like, that can't be right. Yeah, it certainly is. I really like that, the labor of love. Um, (laughs) Because it really is, like, talking about the readings, I, I I feel the same way. I'll never forget, like, very early on in residency, one of our first assignments that we were given is that they were like, yeah, you have to read every single CPG, and you have, like, by this day. And I was like, oh my God, they're like 75 pages each. Yeah. And then you start reading them and you're like, oh, this is fascinating. I don't care anymore. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And, yeah. And a lot of the CPGs too, like they say that they're that long, but then like, yeah, good. There's third or fourth of it is just references. Yeah. There's 15 pages of references. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like, yeah, like we have like the neck pain CPG that we went through. Like you go through it and there's like, it's really not bad. Yeah. It's not bad at all. And one of the things that I actually have questioned myself, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it, is like how how my expectation would have been, or my expectation for residency would have been different had I not gone straight out of school. So like if I had worked for a year or two first and then chose to pursue an orthopedic residency and how... Like with my expectations going in, I was kind of like, I'm in school mode. This is going to be like school. I haven't had a full-time job yet. So this isn't even a pay cut. Um, I, I'm curious if that would have been different if I had waited to do a residency. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors that go into that. So obviously the finances are a big part of that. Um, usually for most residencies, you will take a pay cut. Jefferson, we're very lucky in that we don't. Um, you're, you're not working for Jefferson. You're working for a separate company or for a separate clinic. So you're not necessarily taking a pay cut other than the tuition for the residency. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also like, when you come out of school too, like life just happens. Like things That's just start sure. popping up um, in terms of, you know, whether you get into relationships or you want to go into other businesses or Um, how busy you get in the clinic, like orthopedic residency is a commitment that you have to be willing to make. Um, It's a a year long commitment and that's, it's a busy year. Yeah. Um, Some are even longer too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Like a year on average, you can go much longer depending upon the program and your own personal situation. Um, But I think like that concept of being in school mode, 
can get a lot of people tripped up because I think once you get out of that for a little bit, it's really difficult to go back into it mm-hmm. unless you are being very diligent with like keeping up on readings and research and things of that nature. Um, but you have to get used to be to putting in hours and hours and hours of reading and studying. So right. if you're out of school for a fairly long amount of time and you're not keeping up with the research necessarily or, you know, doing those that level of reading and research and independent study on your own, it can definitely be, I could definitely see it being very difficult to come back to. Um, and when I asked some of my classmates that I graduate with, if they wanted or were interested in pursuing residency, a lot of them were like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> like we're done with school. Right. And like, that's, that's fine. Cause if you feel that like, if that's feeling that way, like coming out of school, like, PT school can be rough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, it's an intense schooling and like some people just are just done with it. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, good for them. Right. <laughs> understandable. Yeah, and then, there's, then you got the people like us that are oh, yeah. just sitting there. What's next? What's next? What's yeah. next? <laughs> Crazy so. me. I want to go into a fellowship even after this. I know. Yeah. I'm headed there too, but I, I'm taking a little bit of time for myself and then, oh, I'm yeah. gonna, then I'll get there. But um, one of the, I guess kind of going off of that then, how did you, I mean, it sounds like you were already going in that direction, but how did you prepare yourself for the residency? Um, as far as like, we talked about expectations, you had these expectations for residency. Um, how did you prepare yourself mentally, physically, um, educationally to get to the residency in the first place? Yeah, um, I think mentally, I, I pretty much accepted going into residency that um, I'm, I'm accepting a mindset of like, I'm going to be wrong the large majority of the time in what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the process. And that's ultimately going to make me a much better clinician at the very end of this, um, compared to going into residency saying like, Oh, I'm pretty good. I did pretty mm-hmm. well in PT school. I think I got this. It's like, no, like I went into, I'm in residency and will continue to do residency and hopefully fellowship training after this with the mindset of like, you know, I got a long ways to go. Right. Um, in terms of I'm very early in my career and even 10 years from now, I'll probably still have the same mindset of I have a long way to go. Um, so just being in the right mindset of having an open mind. So to learn from your mentors, to learn from your faculty and to learn from other residents is a really big component of it. And then also adopting the mindset of, you know, you are going to be wrong. Mentors are going to tell you you're going to be wrong or you're not, not necessarily wrong, but you can do things better. There's a better way to do this. Sometimes they'll tell you straight up that you're wrong. That's part of the process as well. Right. (laughs) Um, But adopting that mindset and knowing that they are doing that or that, that feedback is going to number one, make you a much better clinician. Mm-hmm. Number two is that they're doing it and they're coming from the right place in terms of they're there to make you a better clinician and a better professional. Um, they're not doing it to be like, you know, you got a long way to go. Yeah. You're really not that great. Um, they're not doing it for that reason. Large majority of actually 
all of my mentors and all of my faculty have been through residency training or fellowship training or both. So they know the drill, they know the process. So adopting that mindset and being able to take that constructive criticism well and with an open mind. And then on top of that, being ready to utilize that in the clinic and give it a try is, was super important for me to adopt. Um, and I feel like I've done that throughout. I did that throughout PT school. I did it throughout most of the areas of my life. So it wasn't necessarily too difficult for me to start to think that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like that was the most important thing going into a program like this. Well, I mean, kudos to you because uh, it sounds like you're in a really great place. And if I'm being completely honest, I certainly didn't start there when I was going into residency. <laughs> I did not have that mindset of being open to or open to being wrong. Um, for those of you that, that are listening that don't know me, um, I am certainly uh, capable or I recognize that I'm, I'm wrong frequently, um, but it's kind of like this transformation that I had where I was in PT school and I'm just like so used to like, right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right answer, passing all your tests, doing well in school. And so I was like, great, I'm going into residency full swing, I'm going to be great. And I get there and it's just instantaneously met by a wall of um, what's that decision for? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing yeah. that? Um, why, why is it this diagnosis, not this diagnosis? Um, why three sets of 10? Why not? Why not more? Or why, why not less? Yeah. And I didn't have answers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I would stumble around with my words because I didn't want to be wrong. I was trying to justify the things that I were doing the actions and the decisions I was making. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me probably a month to two months before I finally came to that mindset of, I want to be wrong and, or not wrong, but I want to accept the fact that there are better ways to doing things. And that's why I'm in this residency in the first place. Whereas I think my men's mindset going in was that the mentors were just going to give me the answers. They were going to tell me the best ways to do things. That way I could become better rather than how real growth occurs and how you actually become a better clinician is when you recognize yourself, the better options. And that's what that constant onslaught of questioning your decision-making is for is to really position you and progress your clinical reasoning. So I think that's awesome that you recognize so early the mindset that you need to have Um, because I certainly was met with a little bit of surprise when I started my residency and I was being told everything I was doing was not good enough. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, and that, it also speaks to, it's a funny story. It speaks a little bit to how the interview for Jefferson's residency goes. Um, So we were told this even before we did residency, like as they were they came into Jefferson to tell us about the residency program, but essentially how it works is instead of like a conventional interview, you're given a research paper um, to analyze and you have a clinical discussion with the residency director in terms of discussing research. Yeah. I will tell you there were probably (laughs) four or five times where he asked me questions. I'm just like, I, I have no idea. Yeah. Like, I don't, 
know and then he would tell me the answer i'm like i could have sat here for the next five years and never thought of that right (laughs) there's just no way um but again like i also recognize that this is coming from somebody who is currently pursuing his phd has gone through fellowship training and has been and is a current faculty member so i'm just like i mean that was a perfect example of like the type of process that it is it's like you're gonna need to be able to say like i just don't know and just come to that realization of like man i got a lot of work to do before i'm even close to where i want to be and that was actually one of the that was a good point where i was like wow like if i can get to even close to the type of discussion i just had or with this residency director about some of these topics or just get close to that type of analytical thinking. Like I will be so happy with like my progress that I've made. Um, But I think that was a good way to set the residency. I think he told us straight out that that was kind of a way to assess how you would handle residency because that's such an important part. Cause if you're the person that comes in and says, no, I'm always right where you can't take that constructive criticism, you're going to have a really rough time in a program like this because um, it's such a fundamental aspect of that type of training. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you you hit it perfectly with it. Like constructive criticism is should be taglined with residency because that's really all it is all day, all the time. Everything you do is you're getting feedback on it, but also like you have to remember, that's why you're going to the residency in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, even though my mindset wasn't there when I was going into the residency, I knew why I was doing residency and I knew that I wanted that feedback. I was just looking at it the wrong way Um, rather than accepting the fact that I am not always right. um, and, And really settling for the fact that I am there to not be right so that I can learn how to be right more frequently. Um, mm. And I think that the, that research article, um, I, I think that brings up a really important point as far as what you said about what they're looking for. I don't think residencies and residency directors and whoever's making the hiring decisions, they're not looking for people and candidates and future residents. They're not people that are in PT school. They're not looking for people that know everything. Like that's not, that's not what they're looking for. If you knew everything, you probably wouldn't want to do a residency anyways, because you wouldn't get a whole lot out of it. I think that they're looking for people that don't know everything and that are open to feedback and open to learning. Um, And that research article is a great idea on how to weed out people that would, rather than just saying, I don't know, I have no idea, tell me. Mm -hmm. people that are just come up with answers that they have no idea what they're talking about. (laughs) So um, I I really like, that's a really good strategy about finding the right candidates for residency. Yeah. I remember he was, he, they had told us that while we were like, I believe in our second year of PT school. So it's not like a, it's not a big secret about the residency or anything. Um, but I remember telling him, telling us that I was like, I was like, this will be an interesting interview. And it was, yeah. um, 
And I remember talking with some of the the residents afterwards, just kind of laughing about, you know, how that interview went, how we were all just clueless to some of the, some of the yeah. questions. <laughs> we're like, we have no idea. Yeah. But you know what? You made it through it. Oh, yeah. And here you are today in yep. COVID pandemic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's it's good. You'll it's it. I, it makes me happy to see that you're where you are already with that mindset um, because you can only continue growing from there. So yeah, appreciate it. Of course. Um, I mean, I think that that's been a really good conversation and um, I think we touched on a lot of really important things. I think that this might even be more of like a utilitarian type of episode and mm-hmm. that it, it just helps guide people into if they're considering residency, um, what to look for, or maybe even how to start the process. But um, do you have anything that you want to leave anybody that's listening with on residency? Um, or I was, I mean, like all the points that we mentioned before, I think that, I think for me, residency was one of the best decisions I've ever made as a younger clinician. Um, but I think that you definitely have to look into why you are doing the residency and why you want to pursue it. Um, and you have to be very, very honest with yourself in terms of the, what the answer to that question is, because if it's, if it's really just, I want the three letters behind my name and I want the credentials, you may have a rough time in residency. Um, whereas, you know, you really want to just respect the fact that the, the biggest value to the residency, yes, it will prepare you for your OCS exam. Um, there's data and research on that that shows that people who have done residency do much, much better on the OCS exam than those mm-hmm. who have not gone through residency. However, it's the process behind the residency, the mentorship, the teaching opportunities, the networking that are invaluable especially if you're a younger clinician like myself um, and even if you're you've been in practice for 10 years and you want to go through a residency I think it's still incredibly valuable for anyone um, and then just do your research in terms of what you would like from the residency make sure you know the type of faculty that you want to be with um, the type of people you want to be surrounded by because I think that's also important because different programs have different faculty and they have different philosophy somewhat and at the end of the day they're all accredited by the same institution so the material itself won't necessarily be incredibly different from residency to residency in terms of like the the foundational materials but a lot of the resources and a lot of the other variables can differ because of the faculty and the resources that they have um so yeah just make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons um, and then take the time to do your research and make sure that that faculty and that residency program is going to be a good fit for you. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. So thanks um, for joining the episode today. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, thank you. I, of course, I really hope to uh, that we can get you back on the show uh, a couple more months down the line when you have some more residency experience and take a look back at this one and see how your thoughts have changed and grow. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Of course. See you later, everybody.